I really, I, I recommend comedy for anybody, like anybody who wants to sort of learn to be a little bit brave, you know, and be around people that are supportive. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? What is it that draws us to comedy? I mean, the answer seems simple. What's not to like about a good laugh? Some of our favorite experiences and memories center around moments of laughter. But beyond the obvious, perhaps another reason that explains the magnetic effect of comedy is its ability to speak to the human experience. To illuminate ways in which we are all alike and ways in which we are different. Take a look at some of today's top comedians and you'll quickly note that these individuals are masters of observation and have conquered the ability to use comedy as a Trojan horse to distill the human experience and sometimes complex issues in a relatable and funny way. Today's guest embodies the very best of what comedy is and can be. Alana Harkin is an award-winning director, producer, actor and comedian who grew up in Hamilton, Ontario cutting her teeth in the community as a member of an all-women comedy troupe called the Atomic Fireballs. That's where she first met Samantha B, her friend and eventual partner in comedy when she became the producer and correspondent of the talk show Full Frontal with Samantha B. In her role, she was tasked with distilling complex and politically charged issues like global warming and abortion bans through the lens of comedy, offering a mirror to the joys and maladies of society. It's through her uncanny ability to reflect the human experience that eventually earned her an Emmy Award in the Outstanding Short Form Nonfiction or Reality Series category. Nestled in Yorkville's cozy and luxurious Casamoto restaurant, Alana joined me in front of an audience for another recording of Mission Critical Live, presented by Vov Clico, to talk about the power of comedy, her career trajectory, and how humor can be used as a force for progress and activism. Oh, and an encounter with her ultimate idol, Oprah Winfrey. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Lance, and we are so excited to be hosting another wonderful evening and edition of Mission Critical Live, presented by Vove Clico, where we talk to, uh, where we talk about purpose and mission, and some of today's greatest leaders. And so really happy that we could be welcoming you. Uh, Before we dive into things, I'd like to just give a quick shout out to our wonderful venue host, Casamoto, for hosting us this evening in this beautiful, intimate, and lovely space. So thank you so much, Casamoto. And of course, Vov Clico for presenting the evening. They are an incredible partner of ours um, and continually champion women around the world through they're bold, uh, the Bold Vov Clico Awards. If you don't know already, this year will be the ninth edition of the awards and nominations are still open until April 1st. And I encourage all of you to please, please nominate, um, self-nominate yourself, apply for this award, or to please share it with someone that um, you think would be a really good fit for this because it is going to be um, a celebration of Canadian excellence 
and we want to make sure that we are raising the profile of all the incredible women in our community. So um, please, if you would like to know more information, you can speak to myself, my team, the Clico team as well. And then there's also a lot of cookies around the space for you to take home that have the deadline on them. So you've gone about a month. Um, and then also on the place cards, there's a QR code where you can learn more. So please um, do, do apply. So, oh, and also the winners, if you win the awards, uh, which will be within Canada, it's an international program, but you are judged against other Canadians. And so the winners of the award uh, will get to go to France on this wonderful trip to go see the uh, Clico estate. And perhaps most importantly, be connected to really a global community of other women leaders that have won in other markets. I was able to go to uh, and visit the awards in November and met people from South Africa, from Germany, from Brazil. And just really, really, it's such a celebration of, of excellence and, and women in business. So please uh, do take a look at that. So without further ado, I'm so honored to welcome tonight's guest, producer, actor, comedian, and director, Alana Harkin. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Alana, it's so wonderful to meet you in person here in Toronto. Um, Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. How how are you? Good. I was really happy that Vogue Clicquot was sponsoring this. And I'm not just, <laughs> that's not to the plug. It's because you always wonder, when you start your career in comedy, the, always a question, maybe this is anyone who does anything, you wonder if anyone's going to show up, always. And then you says me a sponsor by Vogue Clicquot, and I'm like, it's going to be packed. <laughs> it's going to be packed. So if you're here just for the champagne, I don't blame you. The joyance, yeah. have a great night. You deserved it. It's a Monday. Comedy, networking, champagne, what's not to love. Um, I'm so excited to be chatting today because we get to learn more about you and have some laughs along the way as well, hopefully. You're an award-winning actor, director, producer, writer, a multi-hyphenate, really, um, who has built your career on the foundation of comedy. Alana, what is the key to- Was it a good idea? <laughs> What is the key to making people laugh? <laughs> oh, that question is as bad as like say something funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say something funny. It made a joke. Um, what is? Sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> what What do you think is the the common denominator in terms of what makes people laugh? What gives them joy? What makes them relate to comedy? Well, I mean, I think that's really individual. I think people, it's its an eclectic thing. I think that, you know, people have different, you know, senses of humor and what they think is funny. And and then at one point, if you, if you go into this business, if you're crazy enough to go into the business, you think, oh, gosh, I, I sort of, I, I kind of deal with all situations with a joke. And I know that that might seem like go to therapy instead. <laughs> That's probably also a good thing. But I think a lot of comedians are like, I, do, I don't want to go to therapy, so I'm going to go into comedy. Very therapeutic. <laughs> it's very therapeutic. It's all, it is, because normally it's like taking a situation that, you know, causes you a lot of pain and stress and kind of going, okay, what, where's the joke in this? Or, or often when you get to a certain point, you think, okay, this terrible thing happened to me in my life. How can I write it into something so I can make money off of it? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think you can all relate to. Why do you think comedy is such a powerful language for the human condition and experience in your in your experience? Well, it's disarming. I think it's sort of, you know, it sort of takes the air out of something if there's a really serious situation or it's sort of an entree into having a conversation. 
as soon as someone makes a joke that's hopefully not offensive, it's sort of like everyone just relaxes a little bit and things change a little bit. You're like, oh, this might actually not be awful, <laughs> you know, and it, it really, it changes the tone of things. So I've just always found it like even from being a kid, it's just, it's something that has always, for lack of a better, actually, you know, it's always made me brave. It's always been my, it's always helped me be brave. I'm like, okay, I can, I can conquer the situation if I can find the humor in it, and that will get me through the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were born in Hamilton, Ontario, and cut yeah. your teeth in the industry as a member of an all-woman comedy troupe called the Atomic Fireball. Yeah. Where you first met Samantha B, and later became the producer and correspondent of Full Frontal with Samantha B. Mm -hmm. Along the way, where do you think you first grasped your identity as a comedian and how you wanted to really wield comedy to talk about the world around you? Well, uh, Sarah Fiona Carver, who are the original members of the Town of Fireballs, are here too, uh, <laughs> lifelong friends. And we, uh, we started in the 90s when there were really maybe one or two other female comedy, one other comedy female, female troupe. So it was sort of women weren't really, we weren't getting on stages, believe it or not. We mm -hmm. made progress a little bit. But it was, you know, it was revolutionary at that point. You know, it wasn't to us when we started. We were like, it, I, it was a really a safe place to start um, to have a voice. You know, like we would, you'd walk into the room and say, okay, I have, okay, I have this idea. It's, and we'd always use this term, not this, but this. You know, not this, not this thing that's like, blah. <laughs> but then that thing that you're also going to add. And then we'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that thing I'm going to add. And then we would just get up on our feet and we would try stuff out. And then we would write one-hour shows. And then we would perform them. And the poor business decision was we would do them once. <laughs> we'd be like, great. That was months of work and we did one show. <laughs> um, so we could have probably used a manager or something at that point to say, do you want to make money or ever buy a house? And the other thing that we used to do is, um, I feel like nobody did this. And it was awfully, maybe because we were women, we were like, we want to make sure everyone's taken care of. If you come and do a fireball show, you make $100, which at that time was a lot when you were coming, when you were going to do like an open mic or something. Mm -hmm. And so we, everyone was like, we love fireball shows. Everyone would leave and we would have no money. We would, ha we would leave money to buy ourselves one pad thai. Um, but we kind of created, it was sort of like laying the groundwork for, for our business. Like we, we, we sold out every single show that we ever did. But then we were kind of, as we've been told many, many times, we were sort of ahead of our time. It was the late 90s. And even in like, you know, mid whatever, like 2005 when we were pitching shows, it was like, so four ladies. <laughs> on TV being funny together. Wow, okay. So um, will there be male guests on this show? Uh, so, so, but it was, you know, it was a great opportunity to find your voice. Like, you know, when I really, I, I recommend comedy for anybody, like anybody who wants to sort of learn to be a little bit brave, you know, and be around people that are supportive. I have to say, just as a personal anecdote, I one time took a semester of improv oh. um, with a friend, and it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. <laughs> um, but after two two very terrifying sessions, it actually became very liberating, and you are forced to confront 
your deepest, darkest fears and also (laughs) everything that you're um, self-conscious about. And that is the power of comedy. How how long? You just six months? Uh, Yeah. Three hours every week. Oh, my It was a lot. But and then you was, said never again. I you know, ever, it's been a minute. Yeah. Ever put myself through? But or do you find that you're a better listener now? Better listener, and I think able to pivot. Yeah. Easily sometimes. Um, okay. But uh, you know, it, it, I I would recommend it for anyone truly because it was really <laughs> not something that I wanted to do. And most people and, never like not practice. a chance. And now yeah, not a chance. <laughs> but. Um, so we talk about the past, but now also, you know, you have experience working on a late night show. We were talking about this earlier this evening. Why do you think, or when do you think, the time will be right, because we're talking about timing, <laughs> for a late night show in Canada? Like, why wouldn't we have that yet? There is so much content here. Okay, how long do we have? <laughs> um, well, we need one. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, content. It's such a political satire is so popular. Like Canadians know so much about American politics, like so much. And then my, it's always a fun game to say, you know, well, tell me about the Canadian Senate. Like the what? what There's not Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot going on and uh, it would be fun to talk about. I'm gonna leave it at that. Let's talk about visualizing goals for a quick minute. While I was doing my research for our chat today, uh, I discovered an interview where you talked about meeting one of your biggest idols, Miss Oprah Winfrey, uh, (laughs) by visualizing yourself in her studio audience and then quite literally made that happen. So can you talk a little bit about, briefly about that experience and the power (laughs) of visualization and sheer determination um, and how that, you know, has manifested in shaping your career trajectory. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> I have to remember to do that. So we, um, I played volleyball and I remember telling my volleyball coach, I'm like, I, c- I can't because Oprah is on at four o'clock <laughs> and I can't. That's where I learned literally everything. So I, um, I got tickets uh, with, oh, actually my friendly, you're all, all the stories are connected to the five people I brought tonight. It's amazing. Um, and we, we got into the Oprah show and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to die, but I'm also going to get on the Oprah show. This was years ago. And this is a point where everybody was wearing coral in the audience. You know, like coral, like the, so I'm like, I'm going to get a coral, I'm getting a coral shirt. And I bought this atrociously expensive shirt that I would probably never wear again, but I'm like, this is the shirt that's gonna get me on the over show. And everyone was like, yeah, Alana, right. <laughs> so we walk in there and like, I won't, I won't tell the big long story of it, but basically, uh, you know, we got in there, a producer was like, oh, hello. Um, it's a good shirt. Are you here with some friends? I'm like, yeah, I'm here with some friends. Like, okay, follow me. I'm like, thank you very much. <laughs> and then he brought us in, sat in the, in the, there was like a mezzanine and my friend Lisa was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna high five. I gotta get to the high five. So I'm gonna do the high five. I'm like, I'm gonna stand in here because if this shirt is gonna get me more noticed. Another producer came up and said, do you like, uh, do you eat chicken? Hell yeah. <laughs> and it was a cooking show and you never like, I'm gonna, most people don't, didn't wanna watch the cooking shows when Oprah will have a cooking show, but I got on the stage next, I know. And of course, at that time, I feel like I'm grown out of this, but I would only sweat out of my left armpit and the whole, like I was just soaking. 
So I was like, basically, I was like this. And uh, she, you know, she came over uh, to ask me a question. Um, I'm dying. And I yelled as loud as I could yell, I love the chicken. <laughs> and she rested her left boob on my right shoulder. can still feel it. I closed my eyes. And then, she, and then I heard, and we're back in three, two, one. I'm like, oh no, that was a commercial break. I could have said like anything. I could have said like, I'm from Hamilton, Ontario. And then she, and then she, she, she walked away. And it was, um, uh, and then just this year at the Emmys, or no, not this year, last year, I was sitting next to a woman who was the producer of the Oprah Show. So I. I could lose. Listen, I'll just tell all stories. We're gonna. How long do you guys have? Um, I, I I told her the whole story. She texted Oprah. Once again, my whole left side is just <laughs> soaking, and um, and Oprah said, "That's this was meant to be." And I was at the Emmys like this, looking at her phone, going. <laughs> What's happening? Um, so I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but <laughs> I just wanted to talk about how you manifested your biggest goal at that time. Um, no, it's a really great question because I was like, I was laser focused and it actually worked and it doesn't always work that way. But like, then again, we're talking about Oprah. She did something. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> she put her vibes out in the world. And, um, but I think also like working in comedy, that's all we have. Like we just, it's, you know, you were talking to me about, do you need, are you an entrepreneur if you are a comedian, which is kind of funny because it's like the worst business decision ever. <laughs> I'm going to go to open mics where I get beer tickets. Um, but it, it, it is because you need to, you need to have a game plan. You need to come up with a, like a, there has to be a bigger plan. There's gotta be a five-year plan. There's gotta be questions of like, since like, but then it's one of those things too. And you'll, you all know this in whatever business that you're in. It's like, you, it just pulls you. It's then, you know, you have those dark nights at four o'clock in the morning. You're like, yeah, there's nothing else I can do. <laughs> this is the only thing I can do. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you must have also visualized an Emmy because at some point, be uh, at some point, because in 2022, you got one for your work on yeah. All Fronts of What's Meant to Be in the Outstanding Short Forms. <laughs> applause, please. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's, the applause is important because it's so important for us to champion uh, homegrown talent and that is succeeding on international stages. And we have to really remember to champion and nurture and cultivate our talent and make sure that, you know, once people do well, it doesn't stop there. So uh, please, another round of applause. Oh, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> well, when you won that Emmy, what was that moment like for you? What did it represent for you? Oh my God. And gosh. is it heavy? It's so heavy. Yeah, it's, um, it was unbelievable because we the show is full frontal with samantha b i don't i don't know how many of you've seen it but it's you know very has a very strong uh feminist voice in a sea of 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 male late night hosts and um we always got to the table but we never won it like we always kind of were there but didn't get it 
And I, I kind of had a little bit of, I'm like, I have an idea. Let's do this digital thing and like do this thing. And, blah, blah, blah. and I did become laser focused about winning an Emmy, but it did still seem impossible. It seemed, you know, it's, you're just so happy. Like it is one of those things you're just like, I'm so happy to be here. Like I'm in a dress and this is really pretty and this is really fun. And a and, good party too. And it's, a, it's such a good party and you're, you know, but it's so much better to win. <laughs> it's so much better to win. Uh, but I'm so Canadian because what happens is that there's parties all night long and then people go home and they change into their get out of you know, a different outfit. Then they carry their Emmy around all night long. Whereas I'm like, no, you just bring it back and you leave it at home so that, you know, it doesn't make anyone else feel bad <laughs> that, you know, you're walking around. <laughs> um, but no, it's, uh, it was so weird to win for the show because, you know, the show ended last uh, July and it was, it was a really sweet, it was a really sweet moment. And I enjoyed having it in my home and decorating her. Where is it in your home? Um, just right there, right when you walked in. <laughs> yes. Right when, you just can't miss it. It just, is that an Emmy? It is. Sit down. <laughs> and you know what? I don't even care. Like, people will come over and I'll be like, do you want pictures? That was me with the Emmy. Like, <laughs> with her. Um, speaking of your experience on the show, obviously you were out in the field. Uh, uh-huh. uh in, in very, uh, you know, a wide spectrum of, like, how are you gonna, are you a wide spectrum of communities and people. Um, <laughs> how do you think comedy can be wielded as, in the way that you did on the show, as a tool of progress and activism mm. um, to talk about values and just the state of everything that's going on? Well, it depended on where it was going. I went to a lot of Trump rallies. They just said whatever they want to say but um no it was a good it was a really good opportunity i find that like there's there's an opportunity here for and this is really hard to do because the instinct is like someone says something to you and you're just you know these just feel like heat coming up the back of your neck and you know it's just about kind of almost understanding like where do you come from that you think what you do where do i come from and then after 2016 like i thought this could it can't get any worse than this, and it just cont- it just it just has, <laughs> it just continues too, and it gets worse and worse and worse, and it's sort of like, and it's becoming more and more divisive, and so. But I had a really interesting experience when I went to a place called Tanger Island. It's off the coast of Maryland. It's on the Chesapeake. I spoke to. This is a community that's their island is sinking, is disappearing. It's obviously you know from the sea level rising. Like it's you know it's. Some climate change. Some climate change. Yeah. Like it's environmental. But they were a very devout Christian community, wouldn't believe that. And so it was this, you know, I spoke to uh, Catherine Hayhoe, who is a Canadian climate scientist. And it's like, how do we speak to each other? Like, how do we understand each other? And by the end of that, it was such an incredible time because even though we didn't, s- we had nothing in common with each other, we, we found this really I don't know, amazing communication at the end of it. I did anyway. I probably left and they were like, see you later, watching me go on the boat. But they were they were lovely. So there's a way that we can figure this out. Um, it's not going to be with the sort of anger that immediately arises. It's got to be another way. Yeah, well, I, I guess building on that, how have those experiences helped you become a better communicator or more empathetic as a journalist and as 
I love that you called me a journalist. I had to say clown in my, <laughs> when I got my master's in theater. Jeannie Becker also took clown lessons. Like I had to wear a wooden mask and run out and pretend I was a squirrel um, and really convince people I was a squirrel. So I love when people are like, like, I've been called a journalist many times and I feel so bad for real journalists. <laughs> We're so well-trained and so good at what they do. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> what does it talk to you about empathy and communication? Um, well, everything, because you, you, have, you have to really listen. You know, it's like that improv class that you mm. did. Like, that's why improvisers are the best actors. Anyone who says different is wrong. They, because you're just, you're such a good, you're, you, you have to listen. And it's, you know, sometimes as a, uh, when you're interviewing somebody, you're thinking of your next question or you're thinking how you're gonna to respond to them as opposed to truly listening what, to what they're saying. And sometimes what they're saying is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> you know, like it's just, some, it's really amazing some of the things that, that people said to me and it was like the, it was almost too easy. But at the same time, you know, my job is there to sort of get this point of view, even if it's not something that I completely agree with. And then I'll make jokes in the edit. <laughs> So you've covered world leaders, cultural figures, as well as their communities. What observations have you made about leadership from covering these rallies, you know, the election, and I guess their fans and supporters? What does a good leader look like? And then why do bad leaders do so well, too? What's I the love how line? loaded your questions are. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an impossible question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what does a good leader look like? From what, I mean, from what you've seen, have you seen examples of good leaders? Has there been a through line? Or what makes someone compelling enough for people to amass communities in the way that they do? You mean like some bad leaders? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's just happened. Like right now there's, there's people that feel like they've not been heard and they're, they're just that, they're just, somebody is just tapping into that community. They're just like, I don't even think that the bad leaders even care about those top I don't I don't think they care about those people at all I think they're just like great I got you I got I know what to say 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 but at the at the heart of it it's it's not doing any of us any good you know what I mean and a really good leader is somebody who is really you know making massive change it's really difficult in the states to make a lot of change like it's really 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 difficult so if you're like a good leader at all you know I don't know if anyone's ever going to get over and they shouldn't over Obama. I, I mean, it's he's he was an amazing leader. He was an amazing leader, and because of that, then then there was Trump. You know, and and this is what's going to happen. It's going to be going back and forth and back and forth. And we see it happening in Canada. I would get a lot when I was living in the states. We're like, oh, we don't we don't have that up in you know we don't have that in Canada. Like at least you know at least we've got the border there. I'm like, it's gonna come, and you know so. So yeah, I mean, just being, as citizens, you know, being really aware and being aware what the issues are and, and, and being very vocal and, being, and standing up for communities, um, standing up for people that you, maybe you don't understand completely, but that you should learn about and, and, and using your voice. Because I think that now it's, it's so important. It's more important than ever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you talked a little bit before about the overlap between entrepreneurship and, and comedy. What are you? What are the core themes that make comedians entrepreneurs, especially today? Because it's you know you are either developing a personal brand or social media. There's so many different tools that comedians can use. So what do you think is, is makes comedians entrepreneurs today? Well, it's just passion. It's just it's just like if you want to start a clothing line or if you're amazing in PR or you're a great photographer or you're a great cinematographer. Or you like it's all it is is being brave enough and being risky enough to say, I love this thing. I think I can make a career out of it. There's going to be ups and downs. I'm always blown away by entrepreneurs. I feel like it, it's the same thing as, as being an artist, you know. I want to create something really great to reach out to, you know, to a community and for it to have impact and to start a conversation. You know, it's like what you're doing here. You're bringing together a whole bunch of different people from different places. But we all we all have the same common goal. I think the only difference is comedians when they start out are not thinking quite as clear as the rest of you. <laughs> because it's really it's 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 I, I don't even know. I don't I don't. It's crazy. It sure, certainly wouldn't have happened for me or for Sam without the atomic firewalls. There's no way. There's no way. Because we, we it, it, there was something about finding um, a group of people that would say, you're really great. You can do this. You're really funny. I really like you a lot. What can I do to support you? I mean, if you find that in anything, you're you're so Built lucky. Community. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want to reference. So the, the 2021 Bold Barometer, which is an international study that Vov Clicquot puts out, on the status of women entrepreneurs, they reported um, last or in 2021 that 44% of women believed that they have to act more like men in order to. This succeed. is when I'm going to start drinking. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> in order to succeed as an entrepreneur, and then with that being said, 52% of women believe that if they're too confident, then they'll be perceived as being too bossy. So it's you know impossible. A little bit of a lose-lose situation. <laughs> Do you? think that or do these findings reflect any of your experiences working in uh, comedy or in media? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, to, to even say I'm a, uh, a woman who is going to make jokes on stage was bananas at the time when we started. You know, we got a lot to get off the stages. You know, we, for sure, because to be to be a woman who is vocal and be bold, like the things that we were called on, even Full Frontal, for having a really strong opinion, were quite fresh. <laughs> there was some fresh comments. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a complicated position to be in. But honestly, who cares? I don't care. Maybe it's you get to an age or something. You get to the. You get to the no fucks. I don't give any fucks. I mean, you 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 kind of hit you hit it and go, and you know, and you and people can sometimes say some things to you and kind of go, and you just think in your head, I don't care, <laughs> don't care, yeah. and I and I that helps me a lot. I don't care. I don't like it when that person has the power to change my life or say, oh well, we can't we can't greenlight a show uh, with you because. Your voice is very strong, and um, all you know. Some of our audience—I've gotten this. Some of our audiences might not, you know, know how to <clears throat> deal with that. I'm like, I don't care. You shouldn't care. Like you, it's really, really important. That's why I loved being on Full Frontal. I loved that we had that platform to be a bit wild and to we and we had a we had an amazing executive producer 
who I, I actually just said this more recently, if he starts a construction company and just wants people to lay cement and calls me, I will lay cement for him. <laughs> because because I'd be like, okay, this is, a, this is a crazy idea. And he'd be like, you should do it. And, and, and that's why, you know, we got nominated for dozens and dozens of Emmys. And, um, you know, because there was, a, there was a space. Anyone who's really, really smart, especially now, will say, oh, once your idea, let me, let me lay the groundwork for you. Let me create the playground mm -hmm. for you to explore it. Not everything, not everything can get greenlit, but please, every woman in this room, Put your application in for the bold awards. <laughs> don't think for a second. I've had these conversations with so many women like, well, no, I'm not gonna like, just do this and this and this. And this. Who cares? Absolutely nominate yourself. Tell your friends to also nominate you. It is really, really important that, and, and I love that they're doing this. Mm -hmm. I love that they're doing this. It's not, I'm not just saying it because I hope to walk out of this event with a case. <laughs> <laughs> Or one bottle or two bottles um, or just like the leftover pitcher. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's really, it's great that they're doing this. It's great that you're doing this. It's great what you're doing. Thank you. I, and, you and you know what? It's going to be really uncomfortable for you now. Um, the Bay Street Bowl did an amazing spread on me like a few years ago. Yeah. And everyone was like, what is it called? Like the Bay Street Bowl. And they love <laughs> Go on to website. They love ladies. So, um, yeah, so when you called and you were like, hey, you know what? I'm like, yes. You know, because, you know, and then you told me that you were going to start a mm -hmm. cement company. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Friday I have to start laying cement for Lance. <laughs> it's a new business venture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you talk about who cares, you know, that kind of, like, that kind of perspective is that something that you had to learn and and train yourself to be comfortable with or is it something that you you've had since you started your career um well i think even to go into comedy you have to have a little bit of like i guess i have no shame and i <laughs> guess i'm just gonna you know see how it's all it's not always you know nothing it doesn't always work out perfectly um no, and then there's lots of ups and downs. There's lots of like, oh gosh, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? How did I get here? What am I, like that's, I mean, that's across the board. But I think in terms of like, not, not listen, when I say who cares, I care very much. Mm -hmm. Like that's also like, I care so much, so deeply, so like I have to protect my heart sometimes. I care way, it, my, my, my husband, Michael, who's here every, he laughs every January. I say, you know what my New Year's resolution is gonna be? I wanna care less. And he's like, good luck with that. <laughs> um, because I'm like, oh, you know, chest wide open, let's go. But in terms of someone saying to me, oh, I don't think, I don't think that you, you cut it. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about that person. Cause really now I know it's, it's like maybe becoming a parent of girls. I'm like, that's about them. That's not about you, mm. you know. And a mark of my success now is like, are my children happy? You know, is my family happy? Am I doing something creative that's that's fun and like that's someone pays me for, which is bananas? You know, it's sort of like looking at those marks of success, and and then also, you know, finding those moments where you're like, 
I don't know what the next thing is. And, but still finding ways to believe in yourself and going, okay. Like even today I threw out a couple, I couldn't even say it out loud. There were the silliest ideas I've ever written on paper. And I sent them to like professionals. <laughs> and I press said that I'm like, okay. And then I came here and I have <laughs> put it out to the universe. But they might, they might read and go, what is she thinking? But I don't care. I feel like you really just need to do it, right? You need to sort of um, take the risk and be bold. Do you see how I did that? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to be hosting the Bold Awards. <laughs> <laughs> I love France. Uh, <laughs> um, wait a minute. Let me manifest that. <laughs> Yeah. See, I guess I am an entrepreneur because I'm trying to get a job while I'm at this. <laughs> there you go. But isn't there? Isn't there? Don't you get a, If you win, there's a you get a vine named, or am I making that up? Yes, yes, you do. You get your own special vine named after you. You get a, a name tag on a vine. <laughs> now are you going to apply for this award? What go. do they need to do? Would they go to your website and say? And there are QR codes on the back of the cards for people to apply, and, and you can talk to anyone on our team as well. Okay, or you yeah. can come to me. Yes. Can you email me? Alana. <laughs> and I'll encourage you, and I'll back you up. I'm going to send I'm gonna send in your award. Um, we talked earlier about the kind of stories you wanted to tell um, when you started your career. What kind of stories do you want to tell today and moving forward? And also, what are you working on? Oh, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, you know, I still want to do, I still absolutely want to work in the political satire. I, I call it political satire. It's not political satire. It's really just saying truth, truth out loud. <laughs> you know, when people would say, oh, well, this is satire. I'm like, it's not. Yeah. It's just stating facts out loud. So obviously continuing with that. But then um, I love, you know, the, the television and film industry has changed a lot. Seven years ago, I wouldn't even... They wouldn't even consider me to direct something. I've only been directed by one woman in my life. So that's been a real mission for me because now I'm, I'm directing. And when you're a director, you're kind of in charge. Anyway, it's a comfortable place for me. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm doing, I'm, doing, I'm doing a lot of things, to be honest with you. Um, I'm having an aha moment that a lot of people said to me I couldn't do. So I feel like that's sort of the trajectory of my career. I'm like, okay, that thing that someone said I couldn't do, now I'm doing it. The thing is, it, like even when I won an Emmy, I did have a moment where I was thinking of the, the people who told me to get off the stage in the late 90s. And I was like, hmm, okay, there we go. Um, so, you know, it's, so in terms of like, or just coming up with fun ideas and pressing send, you know, and I'm doing, I'm directing a, a TV series for, for Crave in, in, um, in, in April and, and yeah, and just sort of um, working with, with really great people. Like I'm laying cement for you on Friday. <laughs> exactly. Um, last question and the way that we usually like to end off our interviews for the podcast, what is your mission, your purpose? What gets you up every day and, and really kind of drives you forward? Ideas. Really, like, you know, I spend every day going, oh, that would be a really good idea. Oh, that's really funny. Oh, that's really... And then I think to myself, oh, you know, who I could get involved with that. And then connecting people and then reaching out to other, you know, creative people that I know or that I love to work with and, um, and seeing if we can make something together. I feel like I'm doing the same thing I did when I was eight. 
you know, it's like waking up in the morning and what's the thing I'm going to make today? Like I'm still doing that, um, which I feel is very lucky and very silly, you know, and sort of, but it sort of works. So yeah. And my mission, I guess, is like for sure what you were saying before is like using comedy as a connector and, and diffusing really difficult moments and, and, and allowing that to kind of create a space for conversation. Comedy, like food, is a universal medium that allows us to talk about larger themes in life. It is disarming, engaging, and affords us the opportunity to distill complex and sometimes uncomfortable topics into something more appetizing, something that makes us laugh. It's a mirror of our society, a barometer of the times. Alana is a master of the medium and has wielded the art form to not only make us laugh, and laugh we did, but also thoughtfully talk about and comment on some of today's biggest issues. She's wielded it to push for progress, to talk about global warming, representation, women's rights, and so much more. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?